My mind had been spinning since we returned from the underworld, and it had me as dizzy as I'd felt traveling with the Ankh. The colors we'd seen, the beings we'd met, and the prince. We hadn't seen O since those last moments when he pushed us to safety. And Naoi, she hadn't mentioned Oscar since we'd gotten back. Instead, she'd been talking about how obsessed Jima had become with Wusa's safety since Seth's escape. Naoi never minded doing chores like gardening, cooking, cleaning, but instead of splitting them up, as they usually did, Jima had her doing everything. And all Jima did was sit by that basement door day and night. Then there were the security measures that had been taken. Jima had begun taking these measures after Ak had invaded Sunset High School, but she'd never been specific about what they were, and it didn't impact Naoi, so she didn't give it much thought. But after Seth escaped, the house had literally become a fortress. There were invisible barriers surrounding it, and before Naoi could walk through the door, she had to stand between two planters. Well, at least they appeared to be planters, but in reality, they were some kind of scanning device or something to make sure that she wasn't carrying any pieces of awk into the house. No one was allowed to visit, and even Asha and Safina, who didn't have much time to do anything but work on recapturing Seth, were asked to stay away from the house unless it was absolutely necessary. Jima reasoned that the less people were around, the less chance there was that they could unknowingly bring something dangerous into the house with them. I think... Naoi must have talked more in those few days after O's disappearance than all the years I'd known her up to that point. Seriously. And the more I listened to her complain about Jima and other things, the more I realized how much she truly missed O. Every day for weeks, I could see her eyes searching for him as we made our way to first period, and I could see the disappointment in them when she didn't see him. That didn't last too long, though. Eventually, she began talking more and more about how we might track down Seth. But how could we do this without the ability to move freely throughout the planet? It was the same problem we had when we'd created the Ankh, and as soon as I thought of that word, Ankh, my stomach began to feel queasy. As we ate, I brought up the whole traveling through lightning thing again. Yes, it took 100 years to learn how to ride the lightning, but she'd also gained an ally, Asha, who was going to testify on her behalf in Nunubia. Were there any shortcuts that she could teach Naoi that might knock 97 years or more off that time? Naoi said she was still working on it, and as I got up to throw something away, Naoi focused on my shadow. When I saw that, I knew what was coming. She was going to ask me about the shadow armor. And the truth was, I hadn't seen it once since I'd gotten back, and that was perfectly fine with me, by the way. So, 
she asked, and I just shook my head. Nope, haven't seen it. Of course, now I knew I was scared of it, and when she asked if I was, I was like, scared of what? I wasn't scared. Thinking back on it, I had no idea in that moment why I thought I could lie to Naoi. I mean, I was never that great at it anyway, you know, the lying thing, but with Naoi, she knew before I even opened my mouth that I wasn't telling the truth. I guess she could hear me making it up in my head before the words came out of my mouth. That's how well she knew me. Believe it or not, I could hear O's voice in my head saying, darkness was simply the absence of light. And what he said made sense. Just because something was dark didn't mean that it was evil. So why was I so scared? It wasn't logical. I knew that. Then I'd think about being alone in my bedroom in the middle of the night and having trouble closing my eyes because I thought I saw a shadow in the corner moving on its own. That was the place where logic was chased out the door by fear. Now he scooted close to me and looked me in the eye. She said, We need this armor. And a warrior does what needs to be done, even if they're afraid. She sat there quiet, letting the words stew inside me for a minute or two, letting them cook till they was nice and brown. Then she asked what I thought. What did I think? She was playing dirty was my first thought, because she knew how I felt about the whole warrior thing. I'd been wanting her to train me since I was seven, and to be honest, I knew she hadn't taken me seriously, even back then, but this was different. If I did this, it would show her that I was serious about it, that I was able to face my fears and do what needed to be done. And I was like, where do we start? Now we had already formed a theory that we might find the armor at Hall 33. So every afternoon at 3.33 p.m. and every morning at 3.33 a.m., we'd head over to the spot at the school where it appeared. I didn't expect that we'd find Hall 33 again, and we didn't. My suspicion was that its appearance was connected to O, and if he wasn't around, it wouldn't appear. I also had a suspicion that Naoi wasn't just doing this to possibly locate the shadow armor. She was also hoping that if the hall did reappear, O might just step out the door. I tell you, the days were okay. But that 3.33 in the morning business was brutal, and within a couple of weeks, I found myself burning out. And there was something else. I had the sense we were being followed, but it wasn't O. Unless O was suddenly wearing heels. Surprisingly, Nawi hadn't picked up on it, and that was probably because she was too focused on the task at hand. Next, we checked every inch of my room five or six times, and this 
drove me absolutely crazy because she kept putting things back in the wrong place. It didn't make sense. When I'd first seen the armor in the form of a dark sphere, I I couldn't get rid of it. It just kept following me around. But as soon as we got back to Earth, it was just gone. And I gotta admit, there was a part of me that was quite relieved about not being able to find it. That part was hoping that at some point, now we would give up on the shadow armor thing and start looking at other ways to get around. I, for one, was still hopeful about traveling through lightning. Then one night, I was lying in bed, doing my best to go to sleep, when I heard a familiar sound. I groaned. Was Naoi going to want to check my room again? I crawled out of bed, but when I looked out the window, I I didn't see her. There was only my reflection and the stars twinkling beyond it in the crisp night sky. But there was something else. As I approached the window, I could see a shadow hovering outside of it. I stopped, or maybe froze is a better way to put it. And I began to slowly back away, keeping my eyes on the shadow the whole time. And the shadow began to back away too. Okay, that was strange. I took a step forward and so did the shadow. Then I took another step backwards and the shadow did exactly the same thing. I leaned my head to the left, then to the right, and the shadow mirrored my movements. I lifted my hand and began to wave and the shadow did the exact same thing. Slowly, I began walking toward the window. I was still scared, shaking, honestly, but the curiosity was overwhelming. I reached my window, and I was face to face with it. I began looking it over. One of the first things I noticed, beyond the fact that it was a three-dimensional shadow, were the particles of energy that it was composed of. Dark energy were the first words that popped into my head because that's what it looked like close up. Pure energy that happened to be composed of darkness. I looked closer. Flickering between the particles were thin fingers of dark lightning. I had once watched this video in biology about the brain and neurons firing and that's what this reminded me of. Was this the shadow armor? If it was, it was much more complex than I'd ever imagined. My eyes snapped open. I looked around. I was still in bed. I'd been dreaming. I sat up and saw Naoi sitting outside my window. Then I jumped out of bed, ran over, and opened the window up. Naoi climbed in. I told her I was sorry that I was sleeping and and didn't hear her knocking, but now I didn't say anything. 
Instead of lying down on the floor beside my bed like she usually did, she just sat herself down in front of the window and stared out at the sidewalk. I picked up my phone and looked at the time. 3.33 a.m. in the morning. Without looking back at me, she asked if I thought he was ever coming back. I just sat there at first, thinking that blast at the very end, right as he was pushing us away, might have gotten him, but I wasn't going to say that. From the moment I'd met O, I I honestly, I, I couldn't stand the guy, but I had to admit that what he'd done had been incredibly brave and saved our lives. I told Naoi that I, honestly, I didn't know, because, you know, I didn't. She nodded, but didn't turn around. You know, I knew Naoi didn't do tears, but this was one of those rare moments in our friendship where I thought the tears didn't care whether she did them or not. They were going to come down her cheeks anyway. It all felt so awkward. I I didn't know what to do in that moment because we'd never had a moment like that between us. Then something told me to put a hand on her shoulder. So I did, and I squeezed it gently. I wasn't sure how she'd react to this. Maybe she'd squeeze my hand and crush it like an aluminum can, but she didn't. She laid her hand on top of mine, and we just sat there like that, me and my best friend, until the sun began to rise. The next day at school, neither of us mentioned what had happened the night before, but I did tell her about my dream. We were in Mr. Abernathy's class, and she asked in a whisper if I was sure. And I was like, sure about what? And she said, sure that it was a dream. Well, it had certainly felt real, but I'd woken up from it, so in my mind, it was obviously a dream. At lunch, we found a grassy spot away from the crowds, but we were being watched. Now I motioned toward Leia Nagasaki sitting at a table way off in the distance, surrounded by admirers. Every few moments or so, I noticed her checking us out, and she looked like she was trying to be sly about it, but it was obvious. Now he asked me if I knew any reason why she'd been following us. Then it clicked, literally. Who else on the planet would try and follow someone wearing heels? She'd been the one following us around the school. But I hadn't thought that Naoi had noticed. Then I thought maybe Leia had been following us because she thought we might somehow lead her to O. Before he'd gone missing, I was sure she'd noticed him spending more and more time with Naoi. When I shared this theory with her, she shook her head. 
there was something else, but she couldn't quite put her finger on it. I asked her if she could hear that. I laid my ear against the grass. Now I listened to her hand immediately going into her pocket to get a hold of Aja, her weapon, just in case. Then I said, it's moving. And it was. At first it seemed to be directly underneath us, but then the sound traveled in the direction of a sprinkler poking out of the grass. My first thought was that it was getting ready to cut on the sprinkler, but then I noticed a single droplet dangling at the tip of the sprinkler head. We both watched as the droplet stretched down to the ground and slithered like a serpent through the grass. And it, it moved toward us at, at an incredible speed. As this was happening, I could feel a tingling sensation in my hand. It was like static electricity, but much more intense. Before now, we could pull Aja out. The serpent forged of water had arrived, and that tingling sensation was beginning to spread up my arm. The serpent reared its head and through its liquid form, I was able to make out a tiny reflection. That face. Those ocean blue eyes. It was Funza. Now we quickly looked around. Students walking past and, and Leia, she was focused on us now. There was no way now we could activate Aja at that point, but a tiny spark flew out of her pocket anyway. Funza's tiny reflection smiled and said, Hello. Now he grabbed my arm, holding onto it tight. The tingling sensation I'd felt began to fade. I wondered if Funza had somehow caused it. Now he whispered, What do you want? To first apologize, Funza said, focused on Naui. She didn't have much time, but it was important for Naui to know that what had happened in Nunubia wasn't personal. Seth was her maker, after all, and she was loyal to him. Naui shook her head. She'd come to apologize? <laughs> no, she wasn't going to allow herself to be fooled again. Then Funza was like, I know you don't trust me, Naui, but... I do trust you. That's why I'm here. There was a decision that Funza needed to make, and it was big. Biggest in her entire existence, in fact, and she needed Naui's advice. Wow. Funza needed Naui's advice. I was speechless, and my Naui, the anger inside her, it was like sitting next to a blazing fire and feeling that heat against my face. Now he said she had absolutely nothing to say. Funza said, yeah, I get it. Completely understandable. Then the water serpent turned towards some students walking past, and Funza said, maybe your school friends would have some good advice. Yeah, I'll ask. The water serpent began slithering in their direction, and Naui hopped to her feet and blocked its path. 
We looked at each other. Whatever game Funza was playing, Naoi would have to play along, at least for now, in order to protect the school. Funza's tiny reflection smiled, then said, I have this opportunity. Okay, so there's this world out there, another planet, and it's all ocean. I met some beings from there that visited Earth right before the war started, and they offered me the chance to go back with them. I turned them down, of course, because I was loyal to Seth, but they gave me a way to contact them if I ever changed my mind. Seth wasn't strong enough to stop her at that point, so if she was going to do it, she had to make up her mind pretty quick. Well, I thought, at least we knew that Seth hadn't regained his strength yet. And now he was like, just leave him. It was difficult to make out the expression on Funza's face because it was so tiny, but it was obvious that this was something she'd been struggling with. She said, he created me and I, I can't just leave him. Not like that. Oh no. I turned and saw Leia heading right for us. Funza saw her too and said, Oh, your friend. I wonder what she thinks. Then Naoi stooped down and got close to the reflection, asked, What do you think would happen if it was flipped around? If it was him that had the chance to go off and have a good life and leave you, what do you think he'd do? Staying with him is about as foolish as me trusting you. Leia was less than a minute away. Naoi looked at me. She had to hurry. Funza was silent for a bit, then said she had some advice for Naoi as well. Watch your back, she said. There was a reason Ock came for you. Leia was seconds away when Funza said, You're special, Naoi, and more powerful than you could ever know or understand. Leia yelled, Aha! and snapped a picture with her phone. Naoi turned toward the spot where Funza was a split second before Leia's arrival, and the only thing left was a tiny patch of water. Leia looked at both of us, hands on her hips, was like, who were you talking to? I said, each other? She looked around at the grass, then looked at the picture on her phone. Then she focused on Naoi and asked what was in her pocket. Now he said, none of your business. Why have you been following us? Leia stood there, tapping her heel and said, you know why. And she stomped off. That night, lying down, eyes wide open, staring up at a moonlit ceiling and thinking about what had happened. Leia must have seen something, but what exactly did she see? And more importantly, who was she going to tell? I checked her channel to see if she'd made any more posts about it, but there was nothing there. Just fashion tips, the do's and don'ts of talking to boys, and of course, that one video of the day Auk invaded Sunset. I checked that video again, frame by frame, to make sure I hadn't missed anything, and I hadn't. 
it was still too foggy to make out. On the way home, Naoi didn't say another word about the shadow armor or tracking Seth down. She was quiet the entire way and it had everything to do with Funza. Seeing her again and what she'd said, I mean obviously she needed to watch her back. That was Naoi needed to watch her back. But more powerful than she could ever know or understand? The thing that made her special in the tribe, you know, the half-human thing, actually meant that she was slower and not as powerful as the others. So what was Funza talking about? Don't get me wrong. In my mind, Naoi was the finest warrior to ever walk the planet, but Ak didn't know her heart like I did. It just didn't make any sense. I reached over and looked at my phone. Huh, <laughs> 3.33 a.m. again. I got up and headed over to my window to check on Naoi. Maybe she was up too, but when I looked over at her window, the light was off. Then something caught my eye on the porch. The planters at the top of the stairs had lit up. And that could only have meant one thing. A soldier was trying to get in. Oh, that voice. No, it was him. I held my head. Ock. The tingling sensation returned in that moment, but this time it spread through my entire body like wildfire. Everything went pitch black. I, I couldn't see. And suddenly, suddenly I, I was lighter than air and began to rise. No control. Higher and higher. Still in darkness, I, I could feel the texture of the ceiling as I passed through it and wind as I continued to rise into the night sky. Maybe this was what it was like to be a spirit, if such things existed. I twisted and turned, flailed my arms like I was drowning. I even screamed, but the sound was muffled. Had Ock done this? No. It could only be one thing. The shadow armor. A plane directly above me. So loud. I was a balloon, uh, out of control, and I felt a hand snatch me by the foot and pull me down. Oh, wasn't thinking about who it was, didn't matter. They got me. The descent was slow and steady. Before I knew it, I was sitting again, and I believe that I was in my room, but I wasn't sure because I was still quite blind. Then a familiar voice. It's okay, it said. The threat is gone. The voice was deep and calming. It said, long, deep breaths. I did this and the darkness lifted. The first face I saw was Naoi, and she was smiling. Sitting beside her was O, and he said, Welcome back. Time to get to work. On May 7th, my training begins.